Um, I'm speaking from Mark 4 today, and so uh, if you want to find a Bible or use your uh, tablet or device, whatever it is you're watching on to find that, as I'm speaking uh, to introduce you, that'd be great. I'm going to be speaking today about faith and fear, and actually I spoke about this 15 weeks ago now, so did you know that it's 15 weeks since we first entered lockdown restrictions back in March? I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? And back in that, that kind of season, both myself and lots of other people uh, in the Christian world were talking about faith or fear. Are you going to kind of interact with the season that we're about to enter into with a, an attitude of faith or an attitude of fear? You know, as we approach each day and we face each day with the challenges that, that it hits with coronavirus, are we going to adopt an attitude of faith or fear? And I don't actually think that there's been much uh, change in that kind of uh, guidance really to us in terms of what, what we need to be doing each day. Because whilst the situation's moved on and restrictions have been eased, actually we still need to be adopting an attitude of faith over fear each day. And so the question for you today and the question that I want to look at is how can I have, how can I have faith and how can I be free from fear? So how can I be free from fear? Because I think the reality is for many of us, actually, the situation we face now might, might actually cause us to have more fear than it did before. So for example, um, maybe your job is now under threat. Maybe for you, your health has been uh, of a concern over the last couple of months, and there's a real worry in you about contracting coronavirus. And worse still, I know for many of us who have been shielding over the last uh, several weeks that actually now there's a fear and an anxiety about even going outside and doing the normal things that you were doing before this started. Maybe you're concerned about even getting outside, stepping outside the house. What happens if you run into somebody with coronavirus? What happens to you if, if you encounter somebody in that way. And there is that fear and that anxiety that I know many of us are facing. Every day feels uncertain. So the question of how we can walk away from fear and how we can walk in faith still remains very relevant. And so to look at that topic, we're going to be looking at our uh, reading today from uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. And I'm going to read it through. I've got lots of things to pull out for it uh, from you. But let's read that together so you'll see the top of my head for a few minutes now. On that day, verse 35, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, and they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still not got faith? And they were filled with great fear, and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So this is our reading today. This is where we're at in Mark. What's going on here? Because it kind of starts at a random point. What's happened? It starts with on that day. So what's happened on that day? Well, Jesus is beside the Sea of Galilee, and he's been preaching and teaching on parables. So all day long he's been teaching, the people gathered to listen to him. He's spoken about uh, the, 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 the sower who sows the seed in lots of different places. And then he's talked to the disciples and those listening about well, the nature of parables. Then he's given some other ones about mustard seeds and uh, lampstands. He's spoken to them in parables, in stories. They're there to teach them other things, hidden things about the kingdom of God. So it's the end of the day and Jesus makes a suggestion to them. You notice it's Jesus who makes the suggestion here. Let's go across to the other side, says Jesus. So where are they? Well, they're on the Sea of Galilee. Galilee is a, a lake that's about 21 kilometres across, so that's, a, what, roughly 13 miles. So the Dover to Calais crossing is 31 kilometres, so it's about 10 kilometres less than that. 
But you have to remember that they aren't in a big steel boat. They're in small uh, fishing boats. And uh, contrary to maybe what you might have seen in uh, illustrations maybe of this story, they're not on their own in a boat. There's actually several boats going across the lake. And obviously, the, the, the people with him were mainly fishermen. You know, the disciples, some of those disciples were fishermen. So they're going across the lake, probably quite experienced sailors going across this lake. And what happens is, is a great storm occurs. And it's not like any old storm. So it's not like if you go down to Hyde in, in winter and you go to the seafront and you look out at the sea and you go, cool, I wouldn't like to be out on that today. It's a bit choppy out there. It's nothing like that. In fact, actually, it's a great storm. The, 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 the Greek here would, would be uh, talking about it being violent and sudden. Suddenly, this great storm occurs. And it's violent and it's hectic. And the disciples start to panic. Because why? Why? why we read it in the text. The, the boat starts filling with water. The wind and the ra- waves are cra- crashing into the boat. The wind is pushing the waves into the boat and the boat is filling up. They're probably looking down at their feet going, what on earth's going to happen to us? We're going to die. There's a real fear that they are actually going to perish in the storm. And they look over at Jesus, the one who's told them, hey, let's go over the lake. Yeah, great idea, Jesus. Good job. They, they, they look at Jesus, and Jesus is asleep in the boat. I mean, I would be absolutely livid with him. You suggested we come out in the boat, and now you're asleep, and look at the storm. Wake up, Jesus. Help us bail the boat out of water. Just get involved. But Jesus is sound asleep. On the cushion. Now, the cushion would have been a a bag of sand to give the boat some ballast, but that's where Jesus was asleep. Now, this story reminds me a lot of my wife, Claire. Claire is blessed in the same way that Jesus was, with the ability to sleep through absolutely anything. So a few weeks ago, uh, we had a big storm, didn't we? It was about four o'clock in the morning, and it was thunder and lightning, and uh, it was about half four in the morning, and my kids run into the room screaming, literally screaming, and uh, I'm, I'm awake already because the, way, the, the, the wind and the rain outside have woken me up. And they come in screaming and shouting, literally a foot away from Claire's face, shouting, Mom! Didn't move a muscle. Literally didn't move a muscle. She was absolutely fine. And um, it's because she's more Christ-like than I am. That's what I've decided. Because obviously here we see Jesus acting like that, and that's how Claire is as well. And there's this verse in, in Job, and it says that the one who hopes in the Lord sleeps securely. And that's that's what is happening here with Jesus. You see, the one who trusts in God, who puts their faith and trust in God, sleeps securely. And I think that's true of Claire as well. You see, what we see in Jesus' ministry is, yes, of course, Jesus' ministry is making a way for you and I to come into relationship with God. Jesus' life and ministry is about making a way where there wasn't a way for you and I to know God and to know him and to have a relationship with him, to be called his sons and daughters. But in living his life, in doing what he was doing, actually Jesus was demonstrating to us how to live as disciples. Jesus was telling us and showing us how to live as disciples. And here what we see is Jesus showing us how to have trust in God. So there we are. We're we're here and Jesus is uh, sleeping on the cushion. What happens next? Well, It's really interesting, actually, if you read the verses, verses 38 and 39, it seems to look like Jesus wakes up twice. You you read what it says, verse 38. They they woke him, it says, and they say, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? So don't you care that we're about to die? And then it says in verse 39, he awoke. So they woke him and he awoke. It almost is like Jesus pushed the snooze button and went back to sleep for a minute before he actually decided to deal with the situation. 
Um, I just think that's quite funny in some ways. Uh, but their, their whole attitude reminds me a little bit of grumbling Israelites in the desert. Don't you care, God? Jesus, don't you care about us? Of course Jesus cares. Jesus wakes up and he says he's able to sort the whole situation out in just two Greek words or three words here. Peace be still. Jesus speaks and the whole situation changes. Why is he able to do that? Well, Jesus is the creator. You know, we read in John, John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. John is pointing back to Genesis. In the beginning, God. You see, Jesus was there at creation. Jesus is creator. Jesus is sustainer. Jesus is able to open his mouth and speak and creation changes because of what Jesus says. He has the right and the ability to do that as the one who's made it. And so here in this situation, Jesus speaks and the whole situation changes. You know, God can change a situation in less than a microsecond. Just by the words of his mouth, a situation can change. Maybe you need a situation to change in your life today. God can speak and it will change immediately. God has the power to do that. He's the creator God. With three words, the storm is, storm is ceased. And it's interesting, though, what, what happens after this? Because in any kind of normal situation, I'd sort of expect there to be some sort of moment of high-fiving and celebration. You know, there they are, the wind and the waves, the boats filling up with water, and all of a sudden it's gone to a great calm, says the text. I'd expect there to be a moment of kind of relief. Oh, phew, thank goodness that's over. Jesus, you're amazing. Let's high-five you and a hug and celebrate the fact that you've stopped this storm. Jesus, you're the best. But it doesn't say that happens at all. In fact, actually, Jesus is really annoyed. You see the text. It's not just that he's woken up grumpy because he hasn't had a coffee yet. There's something more going on here. He says to them, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Maybe there is a little bit of, why did you wake me up? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See, it's not really that he's annoyed about being woken up. He's being annoyed about the disciples' lack of faith. He's annoyed at the disciples' lack of faith, which I find interesting. Because these are the same people who have literally given up their whole lives to follow Jesus. So you've got the disciples, that some of them were fishermen, as I said earlier on. They left their nets to follow him. Yet Jesus is accusing them here of having no faith. I mean, faith like that is amazing, isn't it? I'm going to leave my life and my livelihood to follow this man around and see what he does. But yet Jesus accuses them here of having no faith. Why is that? Well, the writer to the Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So what's going on here? Look, the disciples weren't fully convinced of who Jesus was. They didn't have the full awareness that Jesus was the Son of God here. You see, if you go in to read on into the text in Mark, you'll find that Peter actually comes to the discovery that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus says, who do you think I am? Peter says, you're Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I think that's the, 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 the Matthew version. But that's what, that's what Peter says. Peter comes to this revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. And then other disciples see Jesus uh, transfigured into glory, talking to uh, Elijah. You know, so all of a sudden, wow, this guy's not just a normal man, is he? But then it even takes, even yet still longer, for some of them to accept Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. You know, it takes for Jesus to be resurrected before Thomas really realises who Jesus is. These, these people in this situation, in these boats, aren't fully aware of who they are with. They're not fully aware that the king is in the boat with them. They're not fully aware that Jesus is in the boat with them. And so what happens to them? They're not celebrating. What happens? They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this? They were terrified that even the wind and the sea obey him. 
There's an interesting kind of link in this text. You have a great windstorm at the start. You have a great calm that descends as, the, as Jesus works this miracle. But then by the end of the text, you have a great fear in the hearts of the disciples. The disciples didn't know who was in the boat with them. So this leaves us with some questions, doesn't it? Who's in the boat of your life? Who's in the boat of your life? As you cross the sea of life, what have you put in your boat with you to give you security and safety and comfort? What have you put in your boat to help you not walk in fear? Because those things are probably failing you if you feel fearful. Who's with you? What gives you security? Maybe at the moment you find security in your job or your career. And actually, as the situation goes on with coronavirus, maybe that is starting to crumble around you. Maybe you put faith in a relationship, and as we walk through coronavirus, that relationship is starting to struggle. Look, actually, these things, if we don't put our faith in the Son of God, if we put it somewhere else, if we put something else in the boat of our lives to give us safety and security, they will fail us. What's in the boat with you? The biggest fear that humans have is death. Did you know that? I mean, it's the fear that's driving these disciples here. They're, they're worried about perishing in the sea. The biggest fear we have is death. You know, that's what drives commercial, commercialism in our culture. So whilst commercialism is based on want and desire, the things that you desire in life, you need that new car, that new job, that new extra, whatever it is. Actually, what's underneath that is, 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 is playing to a fear in us, a fear of death, a fear of growing old. So much of our society is based around that. You see, like makeup or cosmetic surgery or fitness, all of those things are playing on a fear in us, a fear of death. Jesus came to break the power of death. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again to life, what he did was, as he broke the power of death, the stranglehold that death has on you and I has been broken because of what Jesus did on the cross so that you and I can know God and be free from the fear of death. How can we cross the sea of life without fear? How can we go through this life and all the things that happens in this life? Because look, to be honest with you, there are going to be things happen in this life to you that are going to be like a storm on a sea. And you're going to hit rocky periods in your life where things are going to be difficult or maybe go wrong. Maybe you're in that season right now. How can you go through those seasons without fear? Well, you can place your life in the care of Jesus. If you're in Christ and he's in the boat of your life, you needn't fear death because Jesus is with you. Because Jesus is with you. Jesus says in John, abide in me and I will abide in you. What does that mean? It means to live in him, to place ourselves into him. He says, live in me and I will live in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Is Jesus in your boat today? Or is he outside of your boat? Do you need to invite him to come and be on your boat with you? As I've said already, those storms and uncontrollable situations hit all of us. But it's who's in the boat with you. If Jesus is in your boat, you don't need to fear. And, and there's something else that happens as we invite Jesus into our lives. As we say to Jesus, Jesus, would you come and be with me? Would you walk through this life with me? And we can do this as Christians and should do this as Christians every day. But maybe you've never done that before. Maybe because you're not a Christian. But look, as you invite Jesus to come and meet with you, you will experience his love. And in the Bible, we read that love, perfect love, drives out fear. As you experience the love of God over you, the satisfaction of knowing that you belong to the Father, the satisfaction of knowing that you are a son or daughter of the living God, you experience that love that drives away fear in us. You know, Peter encourages us in 1 Peter 5 to cast all our anxiety onto Jesus. Why? 
Why does he tell us to do that? He says this, cast all your anxiety onto Jesus because he cares for you. Place your life in the care of Jesus because he cares for you. You know, as you do that, you'll walk in security, walk in safety, walk in confidence, knowing actually, look, even if you were to experience death, it has no hold over you. Why? Because Jesus is yours and you belong to him. You can walk securely and safely in every season, in every storm. You can know Jesus, the anchor and hope of salvation. We can all know that hope this morning. How can we walk free from fear? We come to Jesus. We invite him into the boat of our lives. We place ourselves under his care. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this, It's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He won't leave you or forsake you. So don't fear or be dismayed. There's an invitation here this morning to come to Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to come and do that with me now. I'm going to invite the band back up. Because we can do that now. Yes! We can actually have a moment together at the end of the meeting. Let's invite the band up. We're going to sing a song together in a minute as we close. But look, there's a serious moment here. There's an opportunity to come to Jesus. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've never placed your life under his care and lordship and you've said, Jesus, I know you're the son of God. I can trust you. I want to invite you into my life, into the boat of my life, that as I walk through life, that you will go with me. Or maybe you've been a Christian years and years, but yet the fear of death has started to come back over you again. Maybe like these disciples here, you're saying, God, where are you? God's right there with you. Jesus is there with you. You just need to put your trust and faith again in him. So let's just pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, I pray right now for those watching this, anyone who is caught in a fear right now, maybe it's anxiety about tomorrow, maybe it's anxiety about their job, about money, about a relationship, maybe it's anxiety just about stepping outside of the house because coronavirus has uh, has placed that anxiety and fear in them. Jesus, I pray right now, loving one, that you might come alongside them and cast out fear. I thank you that your perfect love for us, the perfect love that went to the cross, the perfect love that rose again to new life, Jesus, I thank you that in that perfect love, we find that fear has no place. And so, Jesus, we pray right now. I pray for my friends across the church who are experiencing fear and anxiety they might know your care right now, that they might know your love right now. And Lord, I just turn for a moment to those who might not know you this morning. Maybe they're living with a fear of death. Maybe they're frightened beyond belief about what tomorrow brings. And Jesus, I thank you that you offer them hope. You offer them hope of new life today and hope of life forevermore. And so Lord Jesus, I pray today for anyone watching this who doesn't know you, Jesus, that they might come before you now and invite you to come into their life. All you have to do to know Jesus' power in your life, all you have to do to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour is to confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are my my provider, my carer. I'm going to follow you. That's all you have to do. And believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead. And the Bible says you will be saved. So, Lord Jesus, we just place our trust and our faith and our care in you right now. Lord Jesus, we ask you that you come and meet with each one of us. Holy Spirit, as we sing this last song together today, come and meet powerfully with us, I pray. Lord, I thank you that you are with us today. I thank you that you are with us. Fran put on the the chat earlier on that it is by grace that you've been saved and that Christ has raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
We've been raised with Jesus. We have care and, and we can know goodness because of what he's done for us. Amen.